0: You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. Anne Ishii is the editor-in-chief of Museum Guides. Thank you for joining me, Anne.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: And these are really interesting uh, ideas for travel books. Tell us uh, how you came on board with this with this uh, idea.
1: Sure. Well, it started when uh, Akira Chiba, who used to run Pokemon North America, actually came to me and said he wanted to publish some kind of guidebook series. And, um, you know, it was a personal connection. It wasn't really going to necessarily lead to anything, but... I'd always been thinking that there'd been a lot of these books kind of full of data, really, trivia. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, every time I go to the bookstore, there's a new book with just kind of well-curated data. And it wasn't there wasn't a clear narrative or anything. It was just kind of a way for people to get, I don't know, an hour's worth of party conversations. <laughs> and um, so I was just thinking, like, you know, that has to be available for more practical use, to, for example, use the information, not just at parties, but to actually travel with it. And travel guides are some of the oldest form of, you know, curated data that I can think of. So then it was just a matter of what kinds of interests people have that would lead them to pilgrimages. And, you know, some obvious ones were like music and film and shopping and food. And and then it just snowballed. We just came up with so many ideas for, Global travel that are curated around anecdotal trivia, really.
0: Hmm. Well, the the two books I have are film plus travel for Europe and the Americas. Yeah. This is a really great idea um, because we've most of us have really experienced the world for the most part through movies.
1: Absolutely. I mean, and that's definitely the premise behind film, in particular. I know that movies like Lord of the Rings. Just I. I don't know the numbers, but I'm told that New Zealand's tourism has just, you know, grown exponentially since that whole franchise started. And I think, you know, obviously a lot of us, it's the only opportunity we have to see these places, but and then half the time, it's just the fantasy travel, you know, just the the idea of watching movies to, we always use this expression like it's an escape from reality. So... I think that the core of film is already a form of travel, for sure.
0: In a in a sense, it's a, it's an escape to reality. In when when films are, are filmed on on set, and and these are some really wonderful guides. And you uh, one of the things I like about these books is you you know rather than being um, you know a guide to every part of America, right. you, you really focus on on. Uh, very different uh, places. So tell us about how you picked both the places and the people to write about the places. Well,
1: sure. And part of this is definitely making virtue out of necessity. (laughs) I think, you know, (laughs) we would have loved to have done something more exhaustive, but it's just limited resources. So I think, you know, curation is such an interesting euphemism because really it just means you can't do it all. (laughs) But on the other hand, you know, I just definitely didn't want to address Hollywood. That was going to be, you know, there are tons of books out there already about Hollywood in and of itself. It's kind of outside of this whole philosophy, really. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But um, there's also, I'm sure you're familiar with it, or if you're not, you should definitely check out Los Angeles Place Itself. is an amazing documentary about film location scouting in Los Angeles. And, you know, so we felt like that, need wasn't there to cover that information because mm-hmm. it's been fulfilled by other much more brilliant and astute observers. So on the other hand, Canada has always been kind of fascinating. I think most people know Canada has stood in for just about every other part of the world. And um,
0: yeah, it's becoming the San Fernando Valley.
1: Yeah, really. <laughs> it, it truly is. It's just like the Studio Studio City, and then Canada, I guess, would be the studio country or something. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> uh, so um, tell us about, one of the things I like here is, is you have some nice prose by these various writers. So how did you come upon uh, Jason Anderson to write about Canada, and how much control did he have over what he was writing about? Did you say, I want you to write about these places, or just say Canada? You oh.
1: know, what's <laughs> funny is, actually, every single writer in that, in, it's three volumes, but everybody I spoke with just we had these really organic conversations about what it meant for us to be involved with film or travel. And just everybody kind of implicitly knew exactly what I was talking about when I was talking about you know, this kind of symbiotic relationship between places and, and things, or in this case, interests,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and more specifically with film. So with a guy like Jason... He was introduced to me by way of uh, a friend of mine runs a great comic book store out of Toronto, and, um, you know, Peter Burkemo of the Beguiling, and he and I were just talking about Canadian film locations, and he had this great story about the R.C. Harris Water Treatment Plant,
0: mm-hmm. which... Um, I was I, looking at that right now. Na- <laughs> I'm looking at that right now. Yeah. Me.
1: So, you know, he was telling me about it just kind of, you know, off the cuff, and I was like, see, those are the stories I want to put in this anthology, and he, I think, had heard this story from Jason and then said, you need to talk to my friend Jason. So I think because it just seems to be something, you either get it or you don't. I've certainly spoken to people who are completely confused, um, and suffice to say, I didn't use them, but for the most part, it was just if you understand that there's something really magical about escaping to another place, either in film or by travel, you know, I think, um, the narrative kind of just happens organically. Canada at first, you know, we were trying to pinpoint down just like one, one area, but that proved impossible because there's just so many movies that are shot out there. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I don't know. I think, I think we just decided it would be much more entertaining to cover the whole country.
0: Now, now you also talk about Argentina, which wouldn't ha- have come leaped to my mind, so right. tell us about why you chose Argentina, who you chose to write about it, and some of the places that we get to see
1: sure well, with Argentina, I think I was actually more inspired by um lately I had been hearing a lot about people you know traveling to Buenos Aires for personal purposes justification, and you know just I, I mean, I might just be a rude in this, but I didn't really ever consider Argentina or Chile as real destinations for vacation. And I know <laughs> I know, for a lot of people it's like, duh, but for me it was really not even ever on my radar. Mm-hmm, kind of like, mm-hmm. I, it just didn't occur to me. And um, that is actually a situation in which the writer came to me and she is a film teacher and film editor and... Um, she, you know, she came to me with a narrative, and it just it was spotless, so I took her on. And um, that's actually interesting, because or her story is interesting, because it ended up being very indigenous, and so I actually had a really difficult time sourcing information on a lot of these films, because they never got worldwide distribution. And, um, I mean, there's certainly, you know, obvious films like Evita or Kiss of the Spider-Man, Spider-Woman? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to get that wrong. <laughs> but... Anyway, she she's the one who came to me with this whole history of New Argentine cinema that I had been completely unaware of and that was just, you know, I wanted I wanted more people to hear about that.
0: Uh, it, it's also nice to ha- have a film guide to to San Francisco because there are so many memorable movies. I I live near enough to San Francisco to yeah. see it, but it's it's fun to to see um, you know, the, the one of the things that's interesting in, in these books, just as books to look at, as opposed, you know, in addition to just being travel guides, is to see, you know, the contrast between the film's views and, you know, the, the, the actual places. And, you know, the the art direction in these books is beautiful. Could you talk about how you had these put together and, and also printed, because they're very nice, are, you know, handy to look at, yet uh, they seem pretty sturdy, too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you, first of all. Um, it definitely how do I put this, this might have been the most exhausting production project I've ever worked on. Um, and, you know, I've had to flip comic books and Photoshop through tens of thousands of dialogue bubbles. but <laughs> And this was even more exhausting than that. But, um, I will say, the root of it is actually, you know, pub- the publisher, Mr. Chiba, Akira Chiba, should take all credit because, Um, he essentially wanted to create a tactile experience that he thought was completely lacking in American publishing or specifically in American guidebooks. You know, if you go to the bookstore and pick up um, like a Frommer's Guide or a Lonely Guide, Lonely Planet Guide, they're beautiful books and they give you a lot of information, but there's no tactile experience. And so he was coming from Japan where uh, guidebooks are Borderline schizophrenic in their visual orientation because they're so, you know, they're laid out to be, you know, to to pop from the bookshelves really, and you can't help but want to flip through it. And and if you, it, so he brought back a lot of guidebooks that he had seen in Tokyo that he he really liked in, in format and in um, in production quality, so. Just For starters with the production, it took us forever to find the right paper and um, you know mm-hmm. even after the book came out we we heard from people Americans, American production managers, you know you chose the wrong paper, the ink doesn't sit on it correctly, and we were like, "Oh my God, please don't say that <laughs> it took us it took us like six months to find this paper, uh, not to mention the cost of paper and you know and then to find the perfect matrix of paper quality and um, economy was was pretty grueling. Um, but so, yeah, base, at the base of this, we were inspired by Japanese guidebooks.
0: Uh, that's really interesting um, because it, I really like this idea uh, of travel narratives as opposed to, you know, travel dictionaries. You know, and it, may, it, it it seems kind of odd at first, but then when you think about it, it makes perfect sense. I mean, why learn about a place, uh, you know, who wants to read a dictionary? Right, right. I mean, a dictionary is nice to, to to look up the meaning of a word, but right. when you want to experience language or, or when you want to experience a place, these narratives are, I think, a much uh, more interesting way to experience them.
1: I actually completely agree, and this uh, the formatting, the you know, and we're talking about the fact that it's written in narrative blocks and not in bullet point chunks. Mm-hmm. But um, that was also really important to me because. It's certainly a story, you know. I, I think that the information about these film locations had to mimic the, the the very form that made it so romantic to us in the first place. Mm-hmm. And um, that's not to say, you know, we don't try to organize the information in a way that you can find what you need, but it certainly, it certainly did occur to us that um, we wanted people to be able to read this, not just to, you know, stuff in their back pocket when they're backpacking through Germany, but... Um, you know, just maybe if they, they're they film enthusiasts and it's something you could really just keep at home and read.
0: Yeah, that's one of the things, that's what I like about it because uh, as much as I like these books and the, and as much as I like these plays, I'm not really big on travel. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, the last time I went in a, in a plane, I felt like, a, you know, a spam in a can was, uh, would be, the, <laughs> would be a, a nice way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and this is a kind of a nice way to, to see... Um, the the world without actually having to, to leave your house. Um, could you talk about, the other thing that makes us nice is, again, with the art direction, is are the illustrations. They're, they, you know, really give a nice through line to, you know, you have a lot of different kind of visual pictures here. Some of them are travel photos. Some of them are photos from movies. And, you know, some of the illustrations give this kind of a through line. And, and could you talk about uh, your illustrator?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jillian Tamaki is the illustrator. And um, we came to her... You know, I have a comics background, and our art director is actually somebody, Elaine um, Jackson, wonderful art director, was introduced to me through um, Peggy Burns, who works for Drawn and Quarterly. So we're all kind of connected to comics, and so we we liked that kind of comics illustrative feel. And um, the idea behind, you know, the, I think the illustrations you're talking about specifically are on the cover, but mm-hmm. the idea being, if you know, if you if you have kind of this love for film, you're going to go to a place like, um, um, I don't know, the Golden Gate Bridge or the Trevi Fountain and just know that something took place there that you had seen on celluloid. But, of course, it's just, you know, something you create in your mind. So the idea behind the illustration was that there's a lens of curation kind of hovering over the
0: mm-hmm.
1: the locus of interest in them and I think it's a fabricated image that we all have, uh, much like a filmmaker has to fabricate the image in his or her mind before creating the film. So I think the illustration was really just almost like storyboarding out just one you know, pivotal scene or one mm, pivotal yeah. shot.
0: And and you've used this word a few times, curate. Could you go into a little more depth about what you mean about that and your part in the curation? Sure.
1: Uh, you know, I, One of the other hats I wear is working in marketing. So I actually kind of exhaust myself with these tag words or buzzwords, and curation is certainly going to, I think, expire, I hope, soon, because I'm almost tired of using it so much. But it, I think of it as just like editing basically cultural mm-hmm. editing um, there's so much information out there and, and again I think I have to be honest it's another virtue made of necessity um, where we can't cover everything. I have a friend who edits at a magazine was saying how frustrating it is to do the 10 best X of New York or the you know the 25 you know restaurants you have to eat at before you die like these lists are really, kind of dangerous because there's a, there, it implies that you've visited every single restaurant in the world and have been able to pinpoint 25. So to avoid this kind of, at least in my philosophical approach, was to avoid the danger of pretending we know everything and mm-hmm. then getting in trouble for picking the wrong 25. You can just say curated, and it and it kind of solves the problem. These are the things that we know are interesting. We're not saying it's everything, but, you know, there's a lot of information out there. We just want to give you what we think is the most interesting.
0: Now, out now or out later this month is our film and travel for Europe, uh, the Americas, and there's a third one, I guess, which is?
1: Oh, Asia, Af- Africa, and Oceania.
0: So um, you have other uh, a couple other series. Tell us about the other series. How far are they along and, and who... Um, is writing for them
1: sure so the next book coming out is music and travel and um let's see so music and travel is actually i think it might even be a more transparent relationship between places and music scenes for example i think you know new orleans blues it almost naturally kind of falls off your tongue or Mm -hmm. uk punk or um certainly if we think about parts of india there's the music scene there or tango and, um, and actually Buenos Aires comes up, but in the context of cumbia, um, there's a thriving hip hop scene in Paris, really and, yeah, um, and you know we thought about something like black metal in Norway, <laughs> 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 which I mean I would have gotten a kick out of just to do the back the background research, but um, you know we were like, come on, let's be realistic, who's going to make a pilgrimage out there um, no uh, sense the, to Norway, the, <laughs> I the love ample Norway. The fans, yeah, right. Um, so let's see what else was in that book. I should just know this with my eyes closed, but um, and then some of the scenes, you know, are a little bit less obvious, uh, but as interesting. Um, Ethiopia, the Afro pop scene out there,
0: mm. and
1: then um, actually, Istanbul has a pretty rich classical music. Scene.
0: Really? Yeah, that's interesting.
1: It's yeah, it, it kind of goes back to I guess the Byzantine-V. Ottoman hmm. cultures because um, well, I don't even know how to say this without it sounding condescending, but I guess you know there's a history in most East-West schisms. You know that might be far East, near East, um, but trying to adapt to Western tastes hmm. and so. Uh, yeah, I, I haven't witnessed it myself, but according to our writer, our curator, um, it's there.
0: And we have Art Plus Travel and Volunteerism Plus Travel coming yes. out next year. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about uh, some of those series. Uh, I'm particularly interested in volunteerism. I mean, uh, these are places you where you would go and volunteer to help? Is that the idea? Yeah, uh,
1: you know, I think we all know that we're at this kind of watershed moment in our in, in the entire world, really, um, and most especially in the English-speaking world of, um, you know, it's a it's an Obama change era, mm-hmm. and um, I hate to reduce it like that, but um, a lot of people are talking about social giving, and, you know, if you take that into the direction of travel, a lot of us have this wanderlust, and it can be used to the betterment of, Maybe it's just like working on infrastructure in parts of Africa, or it can be you know just going down to New Orleans after the flood and helping out with habitats for humanity, or it can be um literally just going down the street and you know seeing what the local food banks are like and and um but we know that that's that's another form of of uh of travel um it doesn't always have to be leisure, some of us just want to what we can do out, you
0: know out there i've been speaking with Anne ishi she's the editor-in-chief of museon travel guides thank you for joining me Anne. thank you rick